0: Late Night Vibe is back once again.
1: You're back in the building.
0: Big Chris, we thank have you. A, this another, is another dope, dope episode, Saving the Goat. Yeah, I mean, as promised, we said that last time around. You said, "Hey, I got a special, special podcast episode for us, man. This is going to be probably one of the best ones we give.
1: And we deliver time. every time. Through any obstacle, we're going to deliver.
0: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. You know, it, um, whatever happens, we keep on going. So... This gentleman here, um, I, I heard about him uh, through Chris. Chris sent me a link to the podcast called second Is it second Chance? Second, mm-hmm. China. second China. Chance second That was a great interview and uh, and I think we're like very um, fortunate to have the brother here from you're from Virginia Beach Yes, sir. from Virginia Beach to actually give us a firsthand direct interview because buddy was from in second chance he's from UK. Yes, he is. So he wasn't here, you know. That, that was over Anchor. I'm guessing I'm over the phone. But we got the chance to get you right here. So this is... We're, we're honored.
1: We're honored. We're honored. We have a special guest, ladies and gentlemen. Um, at 19 years old, this man was wrongfully sentenced to 107 years in prison for a brutal rape and beating of a 10-year-old girl in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, but after serving 27 years in prison... We have the great Darnell Phillips. He was freed on parole. And even to this day, after DNA evidence proving his innocence, he is still fighting to get conviction. His conviction overturned. Um, We have Mr. and Mrs. Phillips here today. We're, We're honored to have you, Ms. Phillips. Thank you for coming by. Um
2: he also just had a birthday, so happy belated as well. Thank you, thank you. So how
1: you feeling today, Mr. Phillips? I'm feeling well, man. I'm really feeling well. I love you. Glad it, to man. be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're looking good, man. I got, got, got a little swag on you
2: today. <laughs> I don't realize it, man. You I got it <laughs> every, <laughs> every <laughs> day, man. That's been twenty seven years, man, in in, in blues, you okay. know. Yes, They're sir. blues with elastic around the waist, man. Yeah. <laughs> the prison guard. But you know, like I say, every day, man, you have to your best, you know, put Definitely. your best on, yeah, no doubt about it.
0: Well, Mr. Phillips, um, the floor is yours, man. First of all, we want to hear your story. I know you may have said it so many times already to so many people, but give the world, give Virginia Beach right here. Give us your story, man. Well,
2: at the age of eighteen years old, in the in the process of going about uh I guess you could say uh, self-actualized as a young man you know, trying to uh, find my significance, my footprint in the world, I was about to uh, connect with uh, the rap group Public Enemy, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, because there was a contest going on. They called it back then in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, Black of the Berries, Sweet of the Juice. Yeah. And so, you know, you you're young guy. You know, you think you're on top of the world. So me personally, before, it's like... Before Puff Daddy was trying to be Puff Dad <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I, I I was what I was, I was trying to bring this group together, galvanize all the talents in the area. What year was this? This was in 1990. Oh wow. 1990, August 1990, man. So it's galvanizing the talents together, you know, I'm looking at the guys, one from New York, one from DC, and so uh, diverse backgrounds, trying to bring them together. I had a DJ, young young man named Markel. So you know, we were we were just put trying to put this demo together. I just knew this thing was going to sail. And so uh, the day before uh, this incident occurred that I was accused of and spent 27 years of my life in, you know, we, we, we got together, but it just it seems like we couldn't get the music right. Mm. And so the next day, I, you know, I, had, I came back to my friend's house, but my buddy David from D.C., he had to leave. He left me there. And so I needed to ride back home. And I was like, man, he, he left me. My buddy's like, well, look, you know, uh, named Michael Norfleet, rest in peace. He said, I'm going to make sure, you know, you get home. Of course, his brother didn't come. So I had to find a ride back home. So I had a use mighty bike. Did that, came back the next day. That very day to which the incident did happen, uh, I was in the house, I was in the house with Michael, he was uh, taking care of his mother, she had brain cancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was raining outside and so we had to, we were waiting because the place that we were a little studio and my friends was really, was his garage. It was maybe like a half a mile up the road and so we had to wait till the rain died down. And so we waited for the rain to die down and when we did, uh, we left out of the house. When we left out of the house, Michael and I we were smoking cigars, talking about, okay, what, what, you know, what what's kind of lines are you going to use? What's your hook? And so there was a man who walked up. We didn't think much about it. He asked for a light. My, my friend Michael, he gave him a light. So we went around the corner, and he slipped in the mud. So we, you know, we laughed and everything, and we weren't thinking nothing about it. We were just you know, being happy-go-lucky. But he went in the house, dressed, and came back. When we got around again, a police officer rolled up on us. And the police officer, he said, uh, we, he, say, he said, did you see anybody go past here? We were like, well, no, no, uh, what's going on, officer? We was like, well, what's going on? He said, well, look, you know, a young girl just got raped. I said, whoa. And so we, look, we just saw somebody walk by us. We said it was an older gentleman. So we gave a little description of the guy. And so we walked up you know, the road. Then we, you know, we were kind of sullen about that thing, right? Because I'm like, man, young girl got raped. Who would do that? And so the officer said, could y'all stay in the vicinity? And when he came back, we just said, like, well, we didn't see much, but, you know, uh, we just saw that guy. We told him whatever. And after that, I didn't realize they had my friend in the back seat of the car. Now, the guy they were looking for was kind of tall.
3: Mm-hmm. Of
2: course, at the time, I was tall. And, but Michael was kind of short. He had the clothing like that because the person had on white. We didn't know that the person they were looking for had on white and green, a white and green football jersey. Uh, I had an all brown and black Paisley at the time and black knights and everything, right? And I had a a black Chicago Bulls hat. That was something real popular everybody had at the time in the Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. And so they questioned us. Then they brought us back to Mike's house, you know, because Michael was 16. I was 18, right? I met Michael at the gym as we were training for boxing. And so they, they asked, could we, you know, put the hat on, take a picture? They cleared Michael's family's wall off. Took some pictures, and I'm like, well, okay, no problem, no issue. I mean, our consciousness is totally clear. We ain't doing it, we're just trying to make music. And they took pictures of Michael in the house. Yes, sir. They took pictures of Michael and they took pictures of me. Mm. But two days later, right, I had a friend coming from uh, Howard University, right? He was coming down, so we were about to go to the beach. I didn't realize that that night would be the last, one of the last nights that my life would never be the same again.
1: What date is
2: that? That was August, like the August the 12th. Mm. August the 12th. The incident happened August the 10th, you know, and August the 12th, you know, they, they came over there by Twinkendare area and they arrested me, you know, and they took me to the police station. I didn't know why, they, because I'm like, well, why they got me in the police station? They didn't tell me anything. Then they came, and they started so accusing they came, me. they came, and got you, yes, cut you
1: off. They didn't, uh-huh. they didn't say, hey, we, you know, we got to take you downtown for questioning, or they just grabbed you. No, and- well, they
2: asked, you. you say, you got to come with us. But they told me to put my hands out of the window, mm-hmm. the car window. They asked, was I in the car? I said, yeah, you know, this is me. And I stuck my hands out of the window like they asked, and they, they took me to the police car. And so, you know, they put me in the police car, but they never really shut the door. You know what i mean and i'm like Mm -hmm. what's going on so what i did was even though my cuffs the cuffs were behind me i got out the police car and i was walking out you know what i mean because i didn't i didn't see any danger in there you know i'm 18 years old Mm -hmm. and said they said hey how'd you get out i said the man didn't shut the door what are are y'all doing and he's like well he they took me into the back and then they took me downtown uh you know in virginia beach or whatever right and they interrogated me for like five hours man and they were saying, Michael's in the next room saying, you did it, I said, I did what? I said, what are you talking about? They said you raped that young girl. I said, what, rape a young girl? What? I said, come on, man. I said, I got a fiance, man. I said, I said, Look, I got a fiance. I said, I'm not into anything like that, you know? And, and so they just didn't want to, they want to hear that. But after a lap of five, five hours, I talked to him, and then there's another detective that came in there that detective, of course, he came and he did the big good guy, bad guy thing. And as we got to talking, I got upset because they took me to the magistrate's office. Bobby, had have never having a record. I didn't know what the, you know, the green papers or whatever meant, the felonies. I didn't know what they meant. All I knew was that when I saw the papers, I asked, I said, what, what does this mean? And he was saying, that means you're going to be in the prison the rest of your life. And that right there, that kind of shook me, you know what I mean? Because I had never been incarcerated. Never been incarcerated, never, didn't know anything about the judicial system or anything, right? And so after that, he was like, look, man, if you tell me you did it, then, you know, i, I help you. I'm like—
0: This man, you I, is your investigator that's telling this me
2: This investigator, you okay. know, this investigator tell me that, you know. And I'm like, I can't tell you that. I didn't do that. And so I put my head down because, for real, that, 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 that hit my heart because he told me I was never going home. Now you imagine an eighteen years old person telling you you're never going home, and this is a law figure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And po- he was imposing. I'm eighteen. He's older, so I'm like, wow, I'm never going home. I, I didn't know. That's what I, he told me. That's what the papers meant. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. You know, I ain't think about trial or nothing. It's just a man tell me I'm never going. And so, you know, I put my head down, and that that, that bothered
0: me. You know what I mean? I you know, shed some tears about that. You know, it hurt my heart. It's it's weird. I'm sorry for cutting no, you off. No, all right. You had the typical clothing on that most, you know, most young black males wear. Mm-hmm. And so had, Chicago had was, you know, jeans and, you know, they said the description was a jersey on. You didn't have a by, jersey on. So it's just amazing that they will pull out just you and think that you're the, the suspect in the case without even having any, you know, thoughts behind it. They just they, they just gave you some questions and said, your boy's over here saying you're the one that's doing it. You're the one that did that rape. So, but it just baffles me.
1: He had a solid tight alibi and somehow right. he still is even being questioned. You're still being brought in. What's up with that? I mean, America, one-on-one, but still, like, what, <laughs> what, what's up with that? That's just a, a worst nightmare for somebody of a color in
0: color in this
1: country, definitely.
0: So was your communication with your friend? Were you able to talk back and forth? No, or actually, no he wasn't way. there. No. He no, no. he was not there. I found out after I got out on bond.
2: I got on bond 5 months after, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That night because they took me down to that that dirty dingy cell the next morning. They had kept me up all night long. And mm-hmm. like 5 months after when I got finally got bond, he found out or whatever it is because he kept trying to let the prosecutors and detectives know. He was trying to do research as a young man. He said, "Y'all got the wrong dude. He was with me. His Back mother. He was. He was, he was doing problem. that. He was doing uh, all the other guys. I found out not long ago that they were writing letters, trying mm. to let them know y'all got the wrong dude. You know, they, these guys were really trying, but they just the police didn't hear it. And so mm. when I got out five months later, he was like, uh, I said, man, they kept saying you in another. He said, man, you know better than that. He said, uh." He said, man, they were just trying to get you. And he's yep. from, like I say, he's from yep. New York. Yeah. And so yeah. he had did, he did a little time before as a young man juvenile. So he was used to the system a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. He said, "Nah, they were trying to get you to uh, uh, just awesome admit to fashion. something. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, God, man. How much was your bond? My bond was just 50000 at a time. Okay. Yeah, 50,000 at that time,
1: man. And you spent five months in jail and five had months. the bond We're going to trial. What's your thoughts going into trial? I know you're like, I'm going to beat it. I'm innocent. They got the wrong guy. That's what
2: I thought. I thought that the whole time. But at the same time, I realized after five months being in jail, that kind of wearing on me. Because while I was waiting, I didn't really, I'm going to be honest with you right now. While I was waiting, I didn't even have any type of faith, roots of faith. My family being in church and all them things, I didn't have any roots of faith. Only thing I had was what I wanted to do. As I told you, I was in the process of trying to mature and self-actualize, right? And find my significance. Mm-hmm. And so as I was, uh, got out, let's say when I was in the jail, a lot of thoughts of suicide because depression would try to come on me. You know what I mean? Definitely. Anything. So, you know, I, in my mind, I would be, you know, I, of course, because of the of the situation. Now, I had a lot of homeboys, guys from our area, they were in jail, of course, because guys were hustling back then. It's this, this the 80s. Like, I mean, 90s, early 90s or whatever. Guys hustling, right? But that don't have anything to do with me. They're my friends. They're my peers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they're like, look, do you want us to come over to that block? I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm all right. I said, don't worry about that, right? And so, in that jail, man... I had got put under like a, uh, like a, I guess a private custody or whatever, because of the case, the case was so high profile. Right, right. And so I'd be back there, you know, it was a couple of guys back there with me. Right. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to, I like getting the population. Right. You know, I mean, for real, you know, so I'd be back there, man. I was thinking, man, you know, I was, man, that's Thoughts come to my mind. Cut your wrist, man. The people already telling you not going home. Because when I had went to my first preliminary and they said three likes in 30 years, when they say no bond, I thought you never going home. What's going on? <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I had to. That was hard on eighteen year old psyche. Exactly. That was real hard on eighteen year old psyche because, and you know, all my friends, they were in camp there on campus. They were going to military. They mm-hmm. were trying to start a little business. You know, mm-hmm. that was my my core circle group of friends. But here I am at that age. I was facing three lights, thirty years. So that jail, that was really hard. And so. When I got out on bond after five months in jail, that affected me because I could no longer see police officers as you know they were. They may have been good people, mm-hmm. but after that, it kind of it darkened my sense because it awoke a reality in my mind that something, something really can happen to you. This is a wicked world because I knew I was innocent. I knew my conscience was clean. Yeah. So why am I dealing with this? And so... My friends will come around, you know, and we, we say, look, man, let's go to North State, man. Let's go have like a reggae concert over there, right? And every time I see a police officer, I'll be like, nah, 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 I ain't going. they like, come on, man. Come on, dog, come on. I'm like, nah, I ain't going, bro. I said, I ain't, I ain't messing around with that. They said, man, you worry about the police? He said, you ain't never worried about the police before. I said, yeah. I said, you haven't been in the jail, bro. I said, man, I'm facing three lives. So everywhere I will go, if I go to the mall,
1: how long was that period of you bonding out and
2: then your actual trial? Day? Eight, months, eight months. Eight months. Eight months So eight months. I went through that in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm every, every matter of fact, the female that I was going to, you know, and uh, you know, marry right. That same thing. She was like, you know, you need to get yourself together, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, look, I know you know you're talking about I want to marry and everything. I said, man, I'm facing three lives in
0: thirty years. Mm-hmm. What was your your mom's reaction? Mm. My mom was
2: really, my mom was a strong woman of God, very strong. She was mm. strong. You know, rest in peace. She died in 2020. She, she was very, going. very strong, right? And she would always encourage me because she said there's something going to come out of this, son. I'm like, well, yeah, mom. But uh, I said, I'm facing three lives. You know what I mean? And so my mom, all she would do was pray for me. Because my mom was a very active, my mom was a fighter. You know, she was an African. When we lived in Bayside Arms in Virginia Beach, my mom, mm-hmm. she was a fighter. You know, she like when something was going on with the rental office or whatever, right, and they were trying to overtax people and charge them too much. My mom, she would rally people together. That's how she was. She was a leader. And so she's like, look, son. She said, no. She said, you, you know, you're stronger than that. She said, you know, you, you got me and You got your dad. You're stronger than that. And so I would stay built up for a minute, but yet I didn't have my personal foundation relationship with God. You know what I mean? And so I, you know, I would depend on her Mm. and my mom, this shook her because her mother had just died not long before that. So she was, she was in her own personal crucible of trial. Because her mom, her and her mom was tight, mom just died. When her mom died, I fell out of school because I loved her mom like she was my mom. So with my mom, she said, you know, I thought the worstest thing would be when my mother died. She said, but when I heard that the police came to my house, I found out that, she said, when they came to the house, she said, where's my son? They were like, well, you're never going to see him again. So that made her heart drop. You you, you imagine telling a mother, especially a black mother, mm-hmm. in the early nineties, you know, you're never gonna see your son again. And I didn't realize. I said, "Who told you that?" And I finally found out who it was. Right, that same detective that lied, that lied on me. Right. Wow. Yeah. I was like, wow. You know what I mean? It was a whole. I don't know. It was just a real dark moment.
0: Yeah. Give us the energy in the courtroom when you found out the day of that they saying that you're guilty. Give us the energy. Better yet. Let's move. Before we get to that part, what was it like going to trial? What was the energy like in the the courtroom? You had the the victim that came in there. And how did she even get the point saying that she's saying it's you? Where did the confession come from?
2: I can tell you that that came from that came from the detectives trying to lead me on and questioning uh, what, are under, what color the underwear? What color? I'm like, I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he's like, he's he's just trying to push it on. But as you know, you do the research in the case. There was no written. There was no recording. There was nothing like that. There's no signature, none of that, like that because that's not what was happening. You know, it's just the fact that that they had a person. They had a person too long, and they made everything fit. And so when I was went into the courtroom, I can remember every detail. I went into the courtroom. It was like, right before we were in the foyer, they said the victim was right by me. And a lady asked me, she said, you know that if you were the person that did that, you know that girl would have screamed out. That girl would have screamed out. What? And so I went, my lawyer told me go to the back of the courtroom. So all my friends, the guys, they, you know, they were in summer school. Keep in mind, they were in summer school. So they got there kind of late. And they said, go to the back of the courtroom. And they asked, they said, uh, he said, just go back there, Darnell. When they did the prosecutor brought the young girl down the aisle, in the courtroom, and my lawyer said, "Oh, oh." I said, "What?" He said, "He said that's that's what that's what it is." If I fast forward it, you 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 will find out that they were trying to tell the victim not to change her story because she was young. Don't change your story. You know what I mean? Don't don't change your story because the fact is they're like, well, they had lied to us, said that I had did that to other children, all that. I'm like. I I found this out later on but they Mm -hmm. they had lied to her they said he was a bad man he had a bad record and as you know I was 18 I didn't have a how about I have a long prison record and things of that nature right so they lied to both of us there were two there were two victims there in that courtroom Mm -hmm. that day
1: you know did you have a public defender or a lawyer no I had
2: a I had a lawyer um, Robert Higgins from the Robert Higgins and uh Hugo Madison firm in Norfolk out of uh that was that building was the uh what is that not sovereign bank uh Crestar bank at the time it was Crestar, Crestar. Bank. mm bank
3: mm-hmm. you know i know they don't have that up now but yeah <laughs> yeah okay
1: mm. and um just take us to i guess the day of when you know it kind of came down
2: that day man i'm gonna tell you uh I, at, by that time I had gained faith So I I was doing a lot of praying <laughs> You know because like I say I'm facing three life sentences Definitely. You know and you know I'm just leaving out of the courtroom I'm, I'm leaving out of the courtroom Because I figured that day I'm going to be vindicated Because I did have some hope in me then By that time I had developed some hope in me right? right By that time my whole plans had switched up I wanted to get into ministry Right you know That was just something I had on my heart mm-hmm. And so I went across the street And I, it was a 7-Eleven across there And I came back and while I was on the court stairs, there was a man talking to me on the steps. He was talking to me. And I'm like, who is this, right? I found out that it was the victim's father. I didn't know this. He was a military officer. I didn't know that. He was asking me about my team. And I was telling him. And then when I went to court, courtroom, I looked to the right, I said, he's over there. You know, you understand what I'm saying oh, to you? Wow. Yeah. So and he thought that, that man, I know I would have been on your tail. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's my door. Mm-hmm. So... When I got in there, uh they put the victim like I said they put the, they put the victim on the stand. When they put it on the stand, you know, they asked, "You see the man who did it to you in the courtroom?" Of course I'm on, one over there with lawyers. That that guy, there he is. I'm like, "Oh, come on, man." Wow. And, <laughs> and so after that, right, everything just went downhill. It seemed like everybody was blinded. You know how they say justice blind? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like everybody was blinded in there because they were parading a brown and black shirt that I had on, right? They were parading that, right? That shirt in the courtroom when they were looking for white and green. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it, that you know? I couldn't under, it didn't make sense, but when you look through the records, you'll see that's exactly what was being done. Then they said the person had a gold tooth, found out later on that that wasn't from the victim's mouth. That was from the detectives frame of the case. They said the person had an earring in the ear. My ear had been closed for three years. A plastic surgeon proved that, that it couldn't have been opened. Mm. They proved yeah. it in court.
3: Mm. Yeah, mm. they
2: proved in court. Yeah. They proved it that three or four years prior to the case, my ear had been closed. Plastic surgeon, I went to a plastic surgeon. Because I did, while I was in the jail, I did do a lot of legal, legal research, right? Because, you know, the so I had. five uh, months. Yeah, yeah, okay. I did. Because a lot of the older guys were kind of coaxing me, saying, look, man, I know you got
1: a lawyer. But you need you need to go ahead and look out for your own. Well-being. What was the reaction when you first got to jail um, before the bomb? Like I know you were in. You said you were in private.
2: Um, yeah. Uh, what do you call it, protective, custody. protective
1: custody. Yeah. Did you ever make it to like population? Yeah, I did. What was the reaction? Did you get from the guys Did they believe your story or? You have, you have a few guys because the media I mean, the media
2: can count on. Alter your good common sense. Right. This is everywhere. This is this Yeah. Everywhere. So it, this was all in New York and everywhere. Right. Wow. One guy, my one of my roommates, like you know, my mom asked, "Did you met that guy?" He said, "That's my roommate." Right. And so wow, a wow. lot of people were like, a lot of guys. Some guys knew me off the street, so mm-hmm. they they knew me on the street. So they died. Like, they ain't believe that. They knew they knew better. Than right. That, you know what I mean? Right. They knew I should talk to a lot of girls in North of State. I had, yeah, I had yeah. a girlfriend, you young guy, it you don't fit. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. So dudes know. like. Nah, I don't believe that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so from that I didn't get that. I didn't get that flack like that. Okay. But you know, you might got one person who would say things, little slick stuff. I can I know the person's name to this day, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he was getting on you. <laughs> yeah, he, he would say little slick stuff, but he never approached me. Because mm. he also knew I he know I was boxed too. So he didn't bother me like that. I yeah, gotcha. yeah. You know, I was, still, <laughs> I was still exercising the jail and stuff like that. I right? catch you,
1: dude. You know, <laughs>
2: and so it was it was it was a it was a lot to it, but I never got in any type of altercations. Mm. You know, as a matter of fact, it was guys who would be like, if a guy say something, they wouldn't say it in my face. He was the only guy who would say little stuff privately, mm. and so you had guys who address it because it's a you got to keep minds a different principle in time, right? Definitely. In In the early nineties, guys had a different mentality. Yeah, to what they do, you know what I'm saying? So, you you couldn't do that outside of my presence. You know, Guy 'cause because guys really like me on the street. You know, yeah. And so that's pretty much what was going on, so I didn't have any issue except for the case. You understand what I'm saying, except mm-hmm. for the case and adapt into that environment, right, because you gotta understand something you eighteen, you don't have a lot of history, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of history, you know you you know you may have been out there. And doing certain things, you know, like uh, working, trying to get into your own little business, trying to find yourself, trying to get into a career. I'm just thinking at
0: 18, yes,
1: that's like the 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 model age for men in period. You feel like an adult. You feel like a that's man that. You feel 18, invincible. You know, so I can't even imagine how you're mentally yeah. thinking at 18. I got the world basically against me. Yeah, it, it broadened your mind
2: because it, yeah. it, 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 look, it made me sober. Mm-hmm. It, it really made me sober because, yeah, keep in mind. I put this like this, right? In the '80s, it was real racist in Beach. Oh yeah, I, it's, it's I nothing. Speak on it.
1: Speak on it. Educate in
2: the, it. In the '80s, like let's take for instance, when we moved from like we moved from Norfolk to base Outer out of arms, right, or then the Williams Village area or whatever. And so, when we moved over there, we moved straight from there. My father, after he, you know, uh, I guess he got some type of raise, he moved us to a good area in Kemp'sville. Mm. So, when we moved over to Kemp'sville, that is a very, it's a multicultural area. Okay. And so, but you had a lot of white guys there who, you know, drove at that time, four, four, four wheelers, four by fours, whatever, you know, and they would holler out at nighttime. If you're out there late at night, and, you know, you got hippies too. So they call you nigga or whatever, holler out, nigga, get out the road or get, 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 nigga, get your black, you know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we kind of grow up seeing stuff like that. Even my father, you know, he would complain about, now keep in mind, you know, at the time, he came through that civil rights movement, stuff like that, right? Yeah. So he was more, he saw it more than I did because he was out more than I did. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had people throw bottles. Like a person, I remember, uh, I can recall back when a person threw a bottle of beer at my father. You know what I mean? It was open containers just throwing the bottle at him, right? Just randomly. Right. And so my father told me, he asked me something when when I got on bond. He said, son, let me ask you a question. I said, what's that dad? He said, if that bank gets robbed over there, it was a sovereign bank. He said, who do you think they're going to pick up you and I out here? Mm. I said, you and I. He said, so you kind of learning a lesson in life. He said, you're kind of learning the lesson in life, man. you got to be aware. He said, you, he said, you're a young black man. You have to be aware of yourself. you got to be aware of how you handle yourself. He said, I know you're young. He said, I know you're young. You're going through a lot. He said, but you have to be aware. He said, you really have to be aware, man. There's a lot of things out here that you're not aware of. He said, you think you know things. He said, look what you're experiencing now. You know, he was just telling me, he said, he said you're seeing things, the unfairness. You know what I mean? And I was like, man.
0: He said, you're seeing the disparity in it. I'm like, well, wow. It seems like your dad was setting you up and getting you ready for the world, right? Yeah. He asking you questions. So the environment that Virginia Beach was, was actually, your, your case all in all was connected. The racism involved. If something happens, who should we blame? Right. Let's, let's, let's pick the young black males. And, you know, of course, prison right now we're over 90% black males, mm-hmm. right? maybe more. Um, but it seems like your dad was preparing you for what's to come. Let's fast forward, you get sentenced to 107 years? 100, 100 years. 100, it was
2: 100, 100 years, and the seven came because, I'm going to tell you, because a lot of people don't even know about the seven. This is the first time we're going to hear about this, right? I got seven years because the case, the rape case started looking kind of iffy, right? They were saying that we got to get him something else. My lawyer said, they're going to come to you with a robbery charge. I said, a robbery charge? Wow. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, they're going to come to you with a robbery charge. He said, they're going to come to you. And he said, they're going to come with uh, the photo lineup. You're going to see this. And I saw the, a lot of dark-skinned there was a lot of dark-skinned older dudes up there. I'm like, what the heck is this, right? And he got me up there, head full of hair and stuff, young guy. I'm like, what the heck is this? My lawyer said, they're going to try to charge you, Darnell. I said, but I didn't do that. I had alibi to this, too. Now, here's the thing: a lady supposed to have been robbed at, in front of a, a, a bank because they needed some credence. Because I didn't have a record that they could pull on that yeah.
0: same day or before. No, no, no.
2: This was while I was in the jail. Okay. Before I went on bond, right? Mm-hmm. Now, check this out. They said, "Look, they're gonna come." And here's the thing: he said, "More than I like it, it's gonna stick." I said, "Why?" He said, "Donna, he said you have to understand something. They need to make you look bad. You don't have a record." You don't have a profile of a person that's going around raping people, but they have to make you. I said, but look, at the time I was working with my uncle at uh, QVC. My Mm -hmm. uncle had a contract with QVC. I was with my uncle up till eight o'clock that evening. I was with him. Somebody Yes,
1: sir. Yeah, hold on, man. Hold on. We got to back up. You're telling me because you have a clean record, you're falsely accused of one crime. They know you're innocent. They know you look clean, so they're basically putting another crime on you. Yeah, yeah. That's where the seven years came in with that 100 because when I went to court on
2: that, they brought a lady in there, right? And they had pictures of a guy. And at the time, all my photos, right, on my license, everything, I had I had a lot of hair. Yeah. That's the time with uh, uh three times dope, steady beat. So I, I just grew a lot of hair. You know, we had a half froze, yeah, yeah, all that old yeah, yeah, stuff, right? You know, yeah. young guys, right? Uh, and so... That person, they had a heavy set guy on camera. It was a heavy set, lighter skinned guy, a bald head. He had a, he like, a, like a hook earring or something. It was kind of dazed, but you can kind of tell. And then they said it was like seven other males like that. And so I'm like, well, I know where they get me. He said, he said, he said, more than likely, darn it's going to stick. So I went to court on that. My uncle testified. And here's the thing my mom, they had my mom come testify because they were saying the person had on jeans. I didn't dress like that, right? You know, even that day, you know, uh, with the first time, I didn't, I don't, I don't dress like that because I always, this is what I always wore. I always wore either I wore uh, nice track suits, mm. you know, Nike, New Balance. I used to get the Christian Dior, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, right? Because yeah. I was really into the rap culture. I was into it. Yeah. I wasn't into the criminal portion that people, you know, put on it now, right? right. But I was into the actual consciousness of it, the, the dress the code and everything, yeah, right. right? You know what yeah. I mean? Words, stuff, church, Sergio Tachini, things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's what guys <laughs> used to do, you <laughs> know, know like, he got because, right? yeah, yeah, but, you know, that's what we used to do. So yeah. that's how guys knew me on the street. They didn't know me as a guy uh, desperately going out here trying to rape somebody or something right. like that. I went not into stuff like that, right? right? And so when they went to court, they said, well, the person had on jeans, T-shirt, and my mom kind of, she laughed a little bit. She said, my son, my best friend. That's what my mom said. She said, him jeans? <laughs> My mama laughed, right? It was funny to me, right? My mom spoke her mind, right? See, I told she was very strong in nature. Yeah. And she was like, not him. She said, not him. She said, you did wrong on that one. And the judge said, every red-blooded young American man wears jeans. My mom said, not him. <laughs> and so, that's the time. I didn't start wearing jeans. I went to prison. Mm-hmm. I ain't wear that, you know. When I came, when I came, no, no, no. When I came out on bond, that's when I started wearing like the, you know, the like the the fashion brand. I, y'all probably won't remember that. You call used jeans, mm-hmm. you know. They like they like what you wearing now. Same thing you got on now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it just came as like shirt, used jeans, shirt. Stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? You mm-hmm. know, uh, faded denim, grips. Oh, okay, okay. Same okay. thing. That's what yeah. they called them. Used. used it was used brand. You know. Yeah. I started yeah. doing it. Style in the
0: profile.
2: Okay. I mean, because that's what we were into. You know, yep. the jewelry, the two finger ring. We were into stuff like that, right? And so to get back to it, the seven years came because the lady said, "Well, that's the guy who robbed." Me. I'm like, "Oh Lord!" And so here's the thing, they didn't give me a heavy bond on it. They gave me a personal recognizance bond on that. And they gave me, said, when I got sentenced, they, get, they got sentenced, they still allowed me to, let's go home. I'm like, what the heck is this? I was on bond. They gave this to me, right? I was going to court. I said, this is ridiculous, right? But even to this day, they really can't find the records of this stuff. That's what's going on, right? You can do all your research on it, and you won't find that. You won't find it.
1: You know, so, Mr. Phillips, sadly... Not to cut you off down mm-hmm. Sadly Uh you're convicted. Um you hear the the the, the sentence. Mm-hmm. Um just take us back. What prison did you go to? Um what was your you know family reactions during this time? Like the, what could you hear in the courtroom, stuff like that. Take us back to that kind of moment. I'm gonna
2: tell you something, man. I'm gonna tell you something spiritual. People say taking it to church. I'm gonna tell you like this, right? Amen. I'm gonna tell you what happened to me, man. I I'm a person that firmly believes in destiny. I told you I always search for significance. Mm -hmm. Man, when I got before that judge, they read everything guilty. I heard my sister hollering out. I heard my sister... You're going, God, I'm going to get you. Yeah, she hot or not because she lived in Maryland at the time. She was young and she's like, he going to get you. He's going to get y'all. Y'all knew better than that, right? And I saw, I looked and I saw my brother's friend run out of the courtroom. Evidently, he went to tell my brother that, look, man, they just sent it. They just gave your brother 100 years, man. Mm. So he fled out of the courtroom, you know, And my mom. You know, everybody was crying. He's on the victim side or whatever, right? You know, people were like, you know, yeah, you know, but heard this. This is what I heard. I'm serious now. God honest truth. I heard everything the judge said when he said 100 years, he started renounce 20 years, 30 years, 15, all them things like that. I heard don't worry, you'll be okay. I started smiling because I felt peace. I felt like it was like the peace of God, right? And I told you I was was searching. I wasn't looking for, it found me. You catch what I'm saying to you? And so they took me to the back of the court like you know, like they, like they have a cell that awaits you as soon as you get like sentence. Mm. They took me to the back. When they took me to the back, the man like you, all right, Phillips. They took the cuffs off me. Check this out. They took the cuffs off me, and I'm back there, fresh 100 years. They left from out of there, and the back door was open. Now, not to you. The back door was open, and the door, you know, like the the, the bars, that joint was open.
0: You could have just. But here's up.
2: here's what I this this is what I'm saying. This is when I say you know it brought my mind, it stretched my mind really, and it, and it, and, it, and it, spiritually it showed me something. When I heard in the courtroom, "Don't worry, you'll be okay," I interpreted that door that one day I'm going to walk out of here. Amen. And in and that other door, that it was light outside. Mm-hmm. You catch what I'm saying? you? It was light outside. It was eight something, but it was light outside. And you know what I did? Based on that piece I felt, I pulled the door too, and they asked me. They said, uh, Phillips, you alright? They came back there. I said, I'm cool. They said, You want to talk to a chaplain? I said, Yeah, I said, I said, yeah, let me get a Bible. That, that's what I said. They took me back there with a fresh hundred years. I said, Let me get a Bible. I had just left the street, news, media, frenzy, and everything. And so what I did from that time on, man, I made a vow. I said, you know what? God if you read I believe that. I say I honestly believe it because when I was on bond a lot of things happened that I couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying because you 18 you you only have a very limited history of mm-hmm. life. You're going you go know on I mean? basically what your parents right and what they preached. Definitely. Right, but see the thing is I started experiencing things that let me know that there's something outside of me. Mm-hmm. You catch me? Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? That's why I started. I told you I had a desire to get in the ministry, and so what I did, I said, you know what? If you real like this, if you are, if you are God, if you, if you really are, I said, I'm gonna commit myself to you. I had hundred years. This is what makes a 19 year old because I remember the eight month period and I became 19 years old. 19 to six months. What 19 year old say? You know what? I got a hundred years, but if you are, if you are who you say you are. If you're true, if this word of God is true, if this is what it is, mm-hmm. I say, I'm going to dedicate myself because guess what? I had nothing else to lose. What I had to lose? I had 100 years. And I believe and say, okay, if I'm going to be okay, then I, I, I took that, man. I took that. I took it at face value like that. And, you know, that's what it was.
0: So you ride riding through the bus and, you know, on your way to prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 19 years old, you know, I can barely you know, think about many things, man, but what was the mental mindset? You can kill yourself, you know, you can go out and kill somebody else, try to get the time over with. Like what, what is the mindset you're thinking at 19 years old? I'm about to do 107 years in prison.
2: I'm gonna tell you mine, man. I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you. I ain't never told nobody this. Can I tell y'all this is something spiritual that really yeah, please, happened? Please, please. Might sound crazy to people, but I'm here now. I'm here now, out here in the free world, functioning with the right mind. I was on that bus. Normally the bus is full when you go into a prison, right? Mine wasn't. I had one person on that bus. That was me. You know, the driver, of course, the drivers. One person back there, just me. I felt the presence. Of, remember I told you I had a piece in the courtroom? I felt the presence of something with me. I lied, I lied to you, right? I felt the presence. It got to be an angel. got to be an angel. It got to be something. You know, and sometimes I know people don't believe in it, but I'm just telling you what my experience was. I said, got to be an angel. So when I got to that prison, I got to that prison. You know, you go to receiving first, right? I started embarking on a journey, you know, because a lot of guys did plug a time, man. Guys, 60, 70 years. One guy, he was like named, I remember his name named Bruce. They had supposed to kill the taxi cab driver in, in Petersburg or something he 14, 50, 60 years, another dude, 60 years. I mean, he got 16, 14 years and so it was like me and another dude from Northern Virginia, we the oldest on the wing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm 19, and so the receiving center was very raggedy. And so, you know, I'm up there, they had a hole, like I can see the hole in light from the other, on the corner, right? I'm standing on the toilet, and I'm talking about what I just read in the Bible to the guys. And dude's like, yo, man, you might be the next Martin Luther King. I'm like, I don't know about all that, right? But, uh, you know, it it was wild, though, right? It's like I was discovering. Like I told you, I was in the midst of discovering myself. And so I just started building guys up. And before, I'm going to tell you, before, right after I got sentenced, let me go back a little bit. Before I got sentenced, I told my buddy Mike. I said, Mike, uh," he said, look, Darnell, you need a, he was getting himself back together. He said, look, man, he, you know, he's, his dad was a pastor. He said, look, bro. He said, you know, I did time before, you know. You know, as a young man, he said, look, bro, I'm going to tell you like this. He said, go in there. He said, serve God, man, and try to disciple, man, try to win as many guys, try to try to learn that word, try to do that. He was just telling me things, you know, because he did that brief juvenile thing. Right. And so I took what he said to heart. Cause I was in a real serious mode. I mean, I didn't have nothing to play about. I, I had actual one hundred years, seven years. You know, that right there on your that weight on your mind. But me, I, I had already made a commitment to it. Mm. I mean, I didn't have nothing to lose.
1: Speak on the, the 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 early prison conditions that you experienced. I know you said in one interview you went ten years without heat. No heat. Yeah, that was hard. That was that was hard.
2: Uh, I got to Greenville in 1992 after I got from receiving. And so, you know, uh, when I got there, it was something it was hot. Didn't have a lot of cool air and AC stuff. You know, everything was neutral. So guys, you know, in prison, you come up with a lot of unconventional, you know, in, re- in real unconventional ways. So guys we might get some ice and they might get one of them little rotary fans and they put an ice bucket in front of the fan or behind the fan. So it like blow cold air. And then when winter came, you know, I mean, they had to do what they had to do, right? So when winter came, that was a shock for me because, you know, coming from out of a nice home and everything, I'm used to heat, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But there in the winter, it wasn't no heat. It was ice on the walls. You know, I'm talking to my roommate and frost coming out of my mouth. Anybody who's been to Greenville Prison knows like in the early night, that's how it was. You know, because it was the biggest prison in Virginia. I think on the East Coast at the time, right? Mm -hmm. It was actually one of the worst prisons, actually, right? You know, because there was a lot of real violence, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, for years, I was there. I stayed there. All them years, I didn't, I didn't get any heat. Even when I transferred from there, there wasn't heat. There wasn't heat. The only heat we had, we would stick a spoon in the toilet, right? They had them real, uh, real like metal toilets and you know as you let the heat you let the water run and get hot and the steam would rise from the toilets it really didn't heat us up because sometimes like I say you know you'd be like you know, three four set of clothes on anybody, like I say, anybody know dead time back then I had like three four set of clothes I worked in the kitchen so I might have jeans on I might have thermal I might have a, a wave cap you know I had my hat at the time o- orange orange fitted cap anything, anything orange to or you know, whatever right laying in the bed blankets you know it was it was cold like that and then that's yes. it catching the cold were you getting sick on this? no nah, not. Nah, i actually wasn't
3: mm.
2: because i realized right i had to carry my body through certain uh conditioning you know to a certain conditioning. you want to go out and work out mm-hmm. you want to read if i want to read and i knew i wanted i told you i, I made that to my college right, right. you know and so i said if i want to read then i'm gonna have to be i'm gonna be cold as a mug you know, but i'm gonna read you know, if I'm, a, I'm that's what I'm gonna be on a blanket. I'm gonna I'm use that light and I'm gonna see through the blanket. I'm gonna read. After a while, you know, your body under certain extreme conditions, the body is a wonderfully Just made machine. Yeah. You know, and I, I, my body went through all them things, but nevertheless, I still persevered through that stuff. Food was all right when I went there, you know, but then a couple of years later, it got, became like real garbage, soy and all that crap like you that. You didn't have
1: any physical altercation, any physical problems. Nope. Cause that's what I just want to know. Nope.
0: You you a big guy. Did you go in there? Were you always big or were you in well, I
1: was when I went in, I was probably like
2: one I was I was 183. Because I used to jog a lot. I used to run at six o'clock every morning. I would tr- I would run. Cause my cousin we were training. He was getting picked up by uh, Lou Duval. So he was gonna be a professional uh you know, f- boxer or whatever, right? Yeah. And so I would I would train with him. We would go to the gym in Norfolk or Field Recreation <laughs> Center, so i would still do my little drills and everything, right? You know. But I didn't, I didn't have that fear like everybody else. I knew how to protect myself. But
0: because that's the thing. No really.
2: altercations, though. I had no altercations because one thing about it, guys in prison can kind of discern. They got good judgment. Mm-hmm. They can kind of discern what's what. It's like you can, you can tell when a guy kind of perverted a little bit. <laughs> yeah. you, you can yeah. just see it in a person. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Women can tell it, too. You know, you, you don't got to speak much. Women can sense it some's off about him yeah some some off that joke some yeah. going on some yeah. you know and they didn't they never picked that up so I never had that issue i mm-hmm. never had that issue
0: did you have like an older um gentleman og that you know kind of gave you some kind of uh, words of encouragement every time
2: i did man i did i did i had a guy i had actually i had several guys right that they took a hold of me when i when i came in right by the time mm-hmm. i got from the receiving center to the prison I was in the laundry room. I told you, man, that's why I told you something divine because a guy was like, I was in there and I had a Bible. Dude said, hey, I remember his name. His name is Dog Francis, you know. If he ever get to hear this, because the dude got a lot of like life sentence or whatever, right? Oh, if he ever gets to hear this, I remember 1992. He said, hey. He said, you a preacher, young fella. I said, well, I guess I am, right? <laughs> I told him I said my desire. He said, he said well, look, I'm going to introduce you to this guy. I'm going to introduce you to this man. And he runs the church here. And so we began. to, like I say, you know, I went to that pod, and those were the guys who they were they were in leadership, or like over in the, in the prison, in them areas, right? And so those guys, man, they mentored me. They kept me out of out of trouble because a lot of young dudes they draw to you. You know, you're young too. They young. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm from that culture. You know, yeah. I'm from I'm from that hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I understand. You know, I'm young. You know, you young. You have swag and everything. You not you not in there. You are who you are regardless of where you go. Right. And so the dudes draw to you. You you know you y'all speak y'all talk, but a lot of older dudes be like, "Come on, man." And I go with them. Man, I go with them and study. Right. You know, they help me com- commit. Uh, You know, to studying the word and things of that nature, right? They say, Look, man, you're going somewhere in life. I said, Yeah. I said, I got 107 years. I said, I believe one day I'm going to walk out of here. He said, Therefore, you got to prep. And that's what they did. So they caused me to prep. They just called me to prep, use my time purposeful. You feel me? Mm -hmm. He said, Because when the day comes, he said, You don't want to walk out of here raggedy, bro. Mm -hmm. I said, They said, You want to walk out of here right. And what I did? So I just committed myself just like that.
0: So 10 years go by. Twenty years go by. Mm-hmm. Talk us. What's the mindset going into it? Uh, mean,
2: by the time appeals, you yeah, know. exhausted many appeals. I I still fought. You know, even though I was trusting God to get me out of there, I still fought. You know, I faith, but I worked there. I still put my hand to the plow. I did my due diligence. I had did uh, I did a lot of pro se work, legal work. You know, I studied. I came quite proficient in it. But even though I became quite proficient, uh. I would go to court a lot. Matter of fact, when she came back into my life or whatever, we were just friends, right? I was still going to court. She would see me go to court and things of that nature. And it still didn't work out. It didn't pan out. It didn't pan out to anything, right? Then finally, you know, uh, at that time, I wasn't going to give up. Because by that time, I had got deeply rooted in my environment. I became like a pillar in the environment. You catch what I'm saying? Let's say for this, you gotta realize now, you got guys, somebody, I became what they were to me. They were mentee, mentors to me, I was a mentee. I became that to other guys. So, you know, because I mean, I've been there 20 some years, so you kind of like, you kind of know your way in the environment. You know, a guy coming off the street, well, you know, I say, you know, after 20 years, you're like, I, I see where his mind frame at. Let me let me tell the young man, hey, look, you know, come in, man, let me holler at you. And that's, that's what you do, let's go work out, man, let's go do this. What you plan on doing with yourself, man, you really, read this real estate book, read this book on economics, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. You become, the mentee becomes the mentor, mm-hmm. you, you catch me? Yeah. And so, with me, what I did was, at that time, I still fought profusely because I wanted to get out. I want to enjoy my family. I want to get on with my life because I said, I honestly believed I was going to come out here and I was going to go ahead and go out and pastor because that was my desire. By that time I had taught so many classes in there, I knew I wanted to pastor. I knew I wanted to do that. And so I guess, let me see, by 20 years, that's when the Innocence Project came in my life. The Innocence Project at UVA, they came into my life. And that's Did they why find they,
0: you or you found them?
2: Uh, Somebody... I worked for a gentleman at Southampton, and what he did, he called, he called them. Okay. He called them, but what really, really uh, hit the nail on the head was when my sister, my older sister, one day, she had never been to Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. She drove all the way to Charlottesville, Virginia with my niece, and she went in there and she almost like forced the case on them, right? <laughs> she said, look, she said, look, my brother is locked up wrongfully. Somebody needs to do something about this. She wouldn't budge. She wouldn't budge, and they started really looking into my case and everything. Shout and out that, to yeah. your sister, man. Yeah, man. You know, sister Marvella, man, my big sister. Yeah. And you know, like in '09, my dad died. So yes. I thought that during that time, you know, I, my father was waiting for me to come home and everything. I thought, you know, I, he'd be home when I got there. Mm. So '09. Let me see. I got a Dennis Barrett. I didn't realize that the Innocent Project started looking at my case. UV Innocent Project. You know, shout out to them. They started digging in my case. And so that day I thought I was going there to talk about my father's inheritance or something, right? And so it was a young white guy there named Dennis Barrett or whatever, right? So when I went in the room, he was in the room. I'm like, who are you? He said, I'm from the Innocent Project. He said, I talked to Michael last night. I said, what Michael are you talking about? Your friend Michael. Mm-hmm. My friend Michael. Oh, man. He said, Michael Norfleet. I said, come on, man. I
1: know on, it. I,
2: know I said, good. man, come on. Because my dad had just died. So yeah. that right there, like, hold on now. I said, Michael Norfleet. He said, man, your story checks out. Michael said, you never, he said, Michael said, you never, you never, you didn't do that. You didn't know them people. He said, yeah. And I, he said, Michael told me a whole lot of things. And he said, you, he said, I realized you haven't spoken to Michael in over 20 years. I said, I haven't. He said, y'all got the same story. Wow. I said, wow. I said, man. I said, how's Michael? He said, Michael's doing well, man. He's father. He's married. I said, what? Because I hadn't heard from Michael. And so, you know, you fast forward a little bit Innocence Project, they took my case And they fought, they fought, they fought And something else I'm going to tell you why something else was crazy Her cousin, right Sent a letter she, 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 My wife wrote a letter To me about what her cousin said She saw like this dream, you know And she said in the dream She saw my uh, She saw that the DNA that they kept saying Was destroyed in Virginia Beach it won't destroy. But check this out. They kept saying it was destroyed. She said his evidence is not destroyed. It's in a large white bag, an envelope, and he'll be out before the end of the year. I'm, I'm, I lie not to you, man. If I had that letter, I'm serious business. Her cousin D, right, she lives in Georgia. She do not know anything about me except for what she said, right? And look, I got that letter. Got that letter. I was like, man, I felt real good about that letter. I said, man, come on, right? You know, because I didn't, I couldn't trust the state. Mm-hmm. So I had to depend on something other than the state. I had to depend on something outside of myself, divine. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you, I got that letter. About six months later, I came in off the yard. And they said, you know what, uh, Darnell, the Innocence Project, wants you not you call them? When I got on that phone, I called. And I said, what's, what's going on? They said, you sitting down? I said, what, what's going on, Darnell? Mm-hmm. I, I was going, this was like twenty. Uh, 16, 17, something like that. They said, "Uh, just sit down. You sitting down?" I said, "No." Nah. They said, "Uh, well, my one of my lawyers like the joke. She said something funny. I like, what's going on? What's going on?" They said, "Uh, remember? We they said your evidence was destroyed." I said, "Yeah, yeah." She said, "Well, we were talking to a clerk, and the clerk said we have some." I said, "Was it a large white bag?" She said, how do you know? Anyway, she just overlooked it. She said, well, how do you know that? I said, man, praise God. And I, said, uh, I said, she said, uh, God. how do you know? She said, she, I, then uh, I'm like, well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, but so anyway, right, she told me that. And they said, so now we're going to start trying to get tests done. But here's the thing. When her cousin, I went off of that. I couldn't go off of what was going on legally. I had to go off of what I, I saw that letter. That, law, that letter became law for me then. Mm-hmm. Because... If she saw in a dream a, a large white evidence bag, right? And she said he'll be out before the end of the year. Then I said, okay, she was right on that. Do you know? They kept testing it and testing it. They said, we can't find anything. Even the Department of Forensic Science, we can't find something. I said, man, come on, I, it can't be a lie. Who was paying for this? The Innocence Project. Mm. The Innocence Project was paying for everything. And so, man, when I got let me tell you, when I got there, uh, went to court. I went. I had to go to court. I went to the court through. Um, it's like a. Like, it's like a video, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was looking, and I got to see that white bag myself. I kept looking, right? I said, "Why?" I said, "They get out of the way so I can see the judge." But it was like this thing kept coming. I'm saying, "What is that?" I said, "Man, that's that large white bag." I said, "Yeah, I'm about to go." So, <laughs> so they started really testing that stuff. They couldn't find anything. Then all of a sudden, my lawyer said, "Darn it, we got one more shot." I said, what? I said, I, said, I said, it has to be there. They said, you sure you want us to test it? They took your DNA evidence, your, your, your stuff, and put it in the victim's clothes. They put them all together. That's a dangerous thing to do. You know what I'm saying? So what they did was, I said, go ahead and test it. I said, I ain't doing nothing. Go ahead and test it. They said, we know this, but you don't want any mishaps. And the man said, guess what? I've only done this to two cold cases. He said, I want to try this on there. I want to do a vacuum like something like a vacuum or whatever, right? Mm. And they can draw the DNA up and then they can separate things. So you know what they did? Boom. They did that. Maybe some, maybe a month or two later, they called me, uh, my lawyer called me and said, look, Darnell, they did the DNA test. He said, tell Darnell that it's that's not here. I said, I, he said, look, I said, I, of course I. they said, we know you know that, right? Yeah. But they said the only thing, they said they, they said that when you do DNA testing, one in 10 african American may have the same three markers. But when you look at the rest of it, you say, it's not darn now you, you understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. to you? Yeah. The Commonwealth wanted to look at all three... They said one of 10 African-American men, 10 and 100 African-American men, because of whatever region of Africa we come from, right? Mm-hmm. But the rest of the profile shows you. Didn't matter. That was the second DNA test that was done that excluded me, right? The second one. And so I'm like, man. And so after that, they just started fighting. And finally, they like, well, look, the one lady there, she told me, um, Adrian Benny, I got to shout her out, right? Because she was... The department of parole chairperson, she said, "Darnell, I believe in you. I know you're innocent." You know, she said, "We're gonna get Darnell. We're gonna get him. we gonna get him parole to get him out of there." Because of the course we're playing hard. Because you got to keep in mind, locked man up 27 years. Then finally, my lawyer is presented to the, the victim, found her in Atlanta, and she started fighting for me. May Cox. Yep, May Cox. She started fighting for me. Yep, she 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 was the one who was fighting.
1: We're gonna get in there. Let's get in there Miss Phillips right quick when did you meet Miss Phillips?
3: Um, I met uh, Darnell actually uh, when he was on bond. Mm. Um, I met him through a, a mutual friend of ours my friend Phyllis. Okay. Um, he wanted to meet a nice church girl and that was me. <laughs> 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 and so um, yeah uh, so he was on bond um, and uh, we became friends. How did and, you uh, feel
1: about the case early on?
3: Oh uh, he told me pretty much up front. Yeah. Um, he told me what was going on and I just met him, but I just knew he was innocent and he was telling me the truth. Mm. And so when he went to court, I was actually expecting him to be dismissed. Right. So then he called me. He let me know I was convicted. they convicted me and said I was guilty. And I was like, okay, mm. all right. So I just knew that at some point that the truth would come out and prove his innocence. Um, As
1: he's in jail, he's going through five, ten years. How does the relationship continue to
3: build? You just stay in contact, or what's going on? Um, yes. Well, at first we we were friends, and just you know, uh, pretty much got to know each other, writing uh, and keeping in contact. Um, and then I disappeared because I felt like he was wanting to go the relationship route, and I was in college and young, and you know, not thinking about all there was a lot a big commitment <laughs> to make right then. Right. So um, um, I vanished for a little while but I still thought about him over some time. So it was probably about, about maybe like 99. Um, I found I found a letter or something and I, I got in contact with his mom. I was just checking. I said, I wanted to check and see how he was, if he was home yet. I wasn't sure yet. Um, so I just knew he was coming out. And uh, he wasn't home yet. I talked to his mom and uh, she gave me his information and I wrote him. So that's how we came back into contact. And then um, I eventually went and visited him. Uh, he was in Nottaway then. And that was well, I don't know
1: what year that was then. 99, 2000. Yeah. Um. Yeah. About.
2: Mr. Phillips,
3: 2000. I know <laughs> <a dad. laughs> Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. We met in '90. Yeah. '90. '90. So anyway. Uh, so yeah. So so yeah. About. Okay. I came back in like 2000. And so one of the times I went to see him in 2001, um, uh, he asked me to marry him, mm-hmm. and uh, and I said yes. So that was June 16th, 2001. Wow. And um, so then we were in a relationship, and we uh, went well, it. Uh, I had a friend of, uh, of mine, as a mutual friend of his, that uh, was going up to Nautiway, and I started riding with her to go and visit him. Amen. And um, so I think, let me see. Around that time frame was when, um, in 2000, I think he had his first uh, DNA test then. Mm. And that one was done by the uh, military. And that test was done and it excluded him. Because uh, that's what they used to convict him the first, you know, on the, on the, on the case. Mm. And this was in
1: 01? Uh,
3: yes. So, so you got, it was
1: DNA evidence that excluded you in 2001. Yep. What's the disconnect
0: from 01 to 18? And hold on, really go quick. Ahead. We're going to go ahead and cut this off and then we're going to go to part two. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead with your question,
1: brother. Sorry. And so, just the disconnect. in, in two thousand and one, you had DNA evidence that um, exonerated you from that, um, from this case and from this issue. But I'm trying to just figure out the disconnect. In two thousand and one, and you wasn't released until what?
0: 2018?
1: eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Um, in two thousand
2: and one, my family got the They wanted, there were one of two places on the planet that could do this type of DNA testing. That was the military because, you know, like when there's a helicopter wreck or whatever, they had more up-to-date technology and it was Birmingham, England. So finally, my family was able to get the Department of Defense. However, I don't know, but they got them to do the testing. When they did the testing, they said, well, uh, they said, let, told my lawyer, let him know that it's, it, it's not his. it exclude him.
3: Mm-hmm. Of
2: course, during that time, I thought, so I started amping up everything, you know, working out, getting ready to go. But there was something in place called the 21-day rule. The 21-day rule is like after you find out DNA or whatever, right, any other type of sculptural evidence, you have to turn it in. That lawyer, I waited for my mother. My mom said, he's a lawyer. He knows what he's doing, darling. I said, Mom, he needs to get this in before for 21 days. I had already been le- reading legal work. Lo and behold, it was like Day 30, I'm like, Mom, is is everything in court? She said, well, he said uh, he got you. He didn't understand the significance of it. So what took place was I called him up. I said, Mr. Higgins, have you filed? He said, no, because I think we need more. I said, man, it's DNA evidence. At the time, remember, DNA wasn't it, that.
0: In two thousand one,
2: it, it yeah. was strong. It was strong, yeah, but it wasn't like it doesn't have like the weight like it
1: does now. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: and so I'm like, man, this don't make any sense, man. It I felt said, like back then, you know, uh, eyewitness testimony carried more weight than DNA testimony. No, nah, he was just like, well, Donnell, they confess... I said, man, ain't no signature, on no
2: confession. I said, you, I got so many alibi witnesses. I got people who saw me out, people who were with me, people who were around me. I said, What's the issue? He just didn't put it in. You know what I'm saying? He didn't put it in because, like, for whatever reason, he like, well, darn it. Later on he told me this. Cause later on I fought and got in court a few years after. You know, about four or five years after. I kept going back and forth to court and stuff. Cause that judge was trying to help me out at first. Mm-hmm. He really was. I just wouldn't plead I I wouldn't plead guilty. He said if you plead he said, can, he said, look, we'll we'll send you some send you where some brief time or you know, no time at all. I said I'm not gonna plead guilty for something I didn't do. That's a decision I made. I said I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? I could have pled guilty and got out of it. What's for real? So the
1: judge thing. even looking at this case is like yeah. Darnell, I'm I'm trying yeah. to help you out here. Yeah. I know you ain't do it, but you know, they but, want you to yeah, because my mom, my mom was right there. She heard the lawyer.
2: He said, he said what I just thought he said? He said, because they're gonna try. He said, we're trying to make it so he'll have light at the time ton- at you know, at the end of the tunnel or whatever, right? And I told my lawyer, I said, man, I'm not pleading guilty for something I didn't do.
0: What was the timing that it was gonna offer you? He
2: didn't he didn't say, but I, it wasn't gonna be a lot of it wasn't gonna be a lot of time, it was gonna be like a program or something. That's what they were talking about. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm did, not doing that. Did you trust that? I was going to do it because yeah. my conviction was if you didn't do something, you didn't do it mm-hmm. and you, and you fight. That's my mind. Why would you, to my mind was, why would you plead guilty for something you didn't do? But I realized why people do it. You know, as I matured in life, I realized that people actually say they did something they didn't do or take pleas that they normally would have under normal circumstances because they're afraid of the repercussions staying longer in prison some of them, if the case is more serious, the death penalty, you know what I mean? They don't want to mm-hmm. die. So they'll go ahead on and say, you know what? Take something like an alpha plea, which mm-hmm. says that I really didn't do the crime, but I'm going to admit. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. just going to admit. And so, you know, you had that little stigma on you. I wasn't going to do that. So,
1: Miss Phillips, t- take us during the time of 01 to 2018, your mindset, your strength. What kinda kept you going and, and pushing to, to hold down Mr. Phillips while he's going through this time?
3: Okay. Um, from two thousand and one, um, I had the support of uh, a good friend that I was riding up there and her uh boyfriend was in prison at the same time as well.
1: So y'all could kinda relate and kinda Right, yeah, that. I had
3: so I had someone that could kinda like relate to and, you know, we prayed with, we went to the same church together and um so she kinda like was a, a big help and then um also i had like friends that were supportive um but a lot of times it's pretty much like a lot of prayer um, mm-hmm. reading i've been to church a lot um just us i guess our bond together um his family was you know supportive. i would go see his mom and and, and, uh, and uh, family members um my cousin van she was a big part a uh, big support a uh, prayer warrior for us you know mm-hmm. supported us over this time frame and um, I love music so music obviously like spoke to me so like a lot of songs we love both love music so um, what was the hits what was the hits back in the day oh wow um (laughs) okay um wow there was a lot of songs we love Hezekiah Walker Mm -hmm. uh, um my boy hold on Fred Hammond um one of the songs that I, I, I remember that he was um I don't remember if he was in prison then or if he was I think he was in prison or jail then a song that I sung to him was, uh, that's when you bless me. Mm. And um, and that song just spoke about uh, how uh, this person found God and how that's when they were blessed, when they realized, you know, having a relationship with the Lord. So that song is a song that spoke to me, and I sung that to him one time. We were friends then, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that we would be where we are now today during that time frame. So.
0: That's a great friend. Yeah. That's love, so. there.
3: Yeah, Definitely.
0: What was your interaction? Uh, well, when was your first interaction with the victim? Were you able to have a conversation with her? Letters? You know, when she... I, I mean, I've seen some interviews before, and she said she, she realized that she sent a, an innocent man to prison. Were you able to have conversations with her beforehand?
2: Nope. Not at all. Um, at first, she wanted to be there to meet me when I walked out of the prison. But what it is by me, they gave me the parole. Now, of course, now I'm, I'm you know, I'm not on a parole, nothing like that. Like, but she wanted to meet me because she wanted to be, you know, apologize and everything, you know. But the thing is, they wouldn't allow us to meet. At first, she was going to be able to, and one of the people from Richmond came and told me, I don't want to mention their name or whatever, right, you know. But they said, Darnell, they're not going to allow it. I said, Why? They said, Don't look good. I said, Look good on who? <laughs> she said, I hate your, I said, she said, she told me like this. We, 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 we kind of became friends, stuff like that, because she, at the, by that time I was walking out, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I had already been given papers and everything. She said, I hate your case, darling. I said, what? I said, I said, it's not my case. She said, I just hate it because all these little things tied up into it. And she's like, they're not going to do it. I said, yeah, but they want me to write a letter. And the letter I was supposed to tell the victim, look, I forgive you. I, I did that myself. They say, write a letter to let them know you're not mad because if you lock a person up 27 years for something you didn't do, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I, I said this, I said we are, I said, but the thing is, I let her know that, look, and I feel this you know, wholeheartedly and I said, we both were victims. You were lied mm-hmm. to, I was lied on. You, were li- you lied to and it caused you to say things and it's not your fault. You know what I mean? It's not your fault. And so I had, because I, I had forgiven because I never blamed victims. I knew the victim was juvenile. I, how do they know? I, I never blamed them at all. I never had, I didn't have that in my mind. It never came in my hard and mind. And so I wrote a letter letting her know to look. So she won't feel bad. Because it's the truth, I said my life wasn't a waste behind bars. I made sure I studied. I made mm-hmm. sure I educated myself. I made sure I took trades. I made sure I did everything that I couldn't do out there. I did it in a limited parameter there. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to do them things on the outside. You know what I mean? But I did it while I was incarcerated. You know what I'm saying? I did it in an isolated uh, time, in an isolated framework.
1: You know, I find it interesting, you know, just doing my research on May Cox and, and your life and her life. It seems like both of y'all went through something really traumatic. Mm-hmm. Of course, you did. But it seems like on her end, she suffered as well. yeah She went through her own trials mm-hmm. and tribulations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was guilt or just kind of just her life circumstances. But it's just ironic that, you know, kind of nobody came away scot-free in this situation. It was an injustice on the police department, 100%. Um, but just, I mean, just speaking on that, it seems like, have you spoken with her recently or nope, no type of contact? Not at all. Mm. You
2: no, know, one, one day, you know, I, I one one day, like I said, I know God opened that door for one day, right? Yes. Because it it gives him. I'm like this, right? I feel whole. Mm. I feel, when I when I say that is I know I need to be made whole I need to be compensated I need for my stuff to be clear and I'm not I know I'm not I'm not running around here with hatred out here you know what I mean? you know what I'm saying I'm trying to help people I'm trying to go on with my life you
1: definitely got a, a, a aura about I you know
0: because most people be angry they'd be pissed you know doing twenty eight years but you but, have that uplifting you know gym. you
1: got that that aura that you know a different type of glow about Ooh. you mm-hmm. I think that's pretty rare I, you know people who's walking around free every day, you know, struggling about something. They don't have that type of aura. You have that type of glow. You have. Mm -hmm. No. So with, with, with that,
2: I feel like this, she need healing and they need to make me whole. Mm -hmm. She really needs healing because like I said, right. I realized that she was the victim. Mm -hmm. She was the true victim. She was a true victim here. I was a, I'm going to say I'm not going to put myself secondary you know what I mean because I did a lot of time on that and I I suffered immensely Yeah. you know I I suffered immensely but at the same time I had a lot of peace that garrisoned me you you understand what I'm saying to you in other words my mind fell into purpose so I didn't see I didn't read years like everybody else read it. like guys would talk I was sometimes playing okay I'm going to say two three years down the line I said I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to do you know that's what I did Because I realized that one day is going to come, I don't know when. I said, but I got to stay ready. Mm. And so, I don't think she had that. I think her life because things, where things were coming at her, and she didn't probably have that support like that. I had support of, uh, like I say, inmates. I had support of uh, family, staff. You know what I mean? Not all family. You know what I mean? Mm. Because, like I say, the longer you be locked up, people get older. They, they, you know, they they y'all just separate. It's a part of life. You know what I'm saying? And so I had my most immediate, you know, you know, I had my most immediate. The people I thought would be there, I mean, now I'm I'm, I'm cool with them now. I'm close with them now, right? Yeah. You know, I don't blame them if they got married. <laughs> you had family. You ain't got no time to be on the prison phone all day long. I understand mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but she didn't have that. She didn't have that support. And so my thing was to meet her because I wanted to see healing on that side. I, I wanted to see healing on that side, not because I did, someone inflicted something. It's because that person needed. I, I realized, man, that, you know, forgiveness is so important. Because if you, if you, if you stand on forgiveness, you, you're in a prison. You're in prison yourself in your mind. Amen. You feel me? you you, you, you really are in prison. And me, personally, I didn't walk like that. When I, I, to, I didn't have no restless nights. You know, when my father died, you know that that hurt. Because that was that was my that was my dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. My my dad that was that was my dude for real. You know what I mean? He was mm-hmm. funny. I love the dude. You know what I'm saying? He taught me a whole lot. But outside of that, I slept well every night. I I didn't. Oh my god! I didn't have a conscience. I I, I didn't have a conscience of doing something. You know, some people reflect. I gotta sit and reflect. Cause that's what was the purpose of penitentiary. You know, you sit yeah. reflect. Well, I had that. So since I didn't have that. I reflected on my future. I reflect, because your mind has to have an assignment. So I reflected on my future. Okay, where am I going to go? When I walk out of here, what am I going to do? And that was what I had on my mind from the very time I walked in there to the very day I walked out of there. That was on my mind.
0: If you could sit down with the prosecutor or the uh, investigator that falsely accused you and they pushed the agenda to say that was you, what would you tell them right now?
1: That's a good question, brother. I would just tell them,
2: of course, they're the ones who framed it to get me in there. So they know I'm not the person, you know, regardless of what they say, they, you have to know, because in order to perpetuate a lie, you have to continuously grab pieces from places. And while you're doing it, you know something wrong, because sometimes things are just right in your face. You know what I mean? And I would tell them, you know, you didn't do your due diligence. You know, you robbed me of my life. You robbed me of my life, but for real, I forgive you. For real, mm. I mean, I, I mean that for real. I see. I don't have. I'm telling you, God did a work in me while I was there. I have no amount of bitterness. I have no amount of unforgiveness towards them. I will hug them. I, I tell you, look. I tell you, when I wrote that, I met that with the victim. I met that with the detective. All of them who the case and everything like that. I'm like this. It it just elevated. My relationship with God while I was there, it elevated my mind and spirit to a degree that I, I,
1: don't,
2: I don't, I can just feel, I can kind of feel compassion for people. Because I realized that, you know, to err is to be human. I know people do things maliciously, mm-hmm. but it's up to me. It's up to me as an individual to make the choice to say, you know what, I'm allowed this to imprison me in my mind and soul. They had my body. I said, you're not going to get my mind. You don't get my spirit. You're not gonna get that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so when I when I when I think about that, I'm good. I'm good because I know I ain't do a thing. God knows I didn't do a thing. The victim knows I didn't do a thing. And so even though they didn't do right, nevertheless, they know the truth. I say I can feel I can, everything I say. It can be backed up with facts. It can be backed up legally. And they could get before God. I was we all would standing before God right now. And, and and it was a matter of our <laughs> eternal future on the line. I can I can say right there and I I stand. <laughs> I go into Amen. it. That's that's the good thing about it. So I know now when I walk around free, I don't have to I don't have to put on an ad with people. I don't have to make no excuse because why? I know I ain't doing anything. They know I ain't doing anything. And I, that's how I feel. I feel so. I feel at peace. I, I feel at peace every day. I can look myself in the, myself in a mirror. You know, I can go uh, and, and purport myself in life. You know what I mean? I, now, only thing I can say is, because I have come through that experience, twenty-seven years out there, nineteen years out here in the free world, I still adapt. But. It's not like I'm um, institutionalized. I ain't no inst- I'm not institutionalized. That's I was you know what I'm saying?
1: What was the hardest thing to adjust to when you first got out? The mentality. Mm-hmm. The mentality, because keep in mind, I left,
2: I left in 91. So the mentality is real different. You know what I mean? And so the entitlement of people, you know, feeling entitled, the, the carelessness of people not loving and respecting each other like they used mm-hmm. to. I'm not saying it was all good and dandy then. But it was more respect. It was more integrity. It was. And it seems like things have... The thread that has been kind of torn out of society. And so... Just the camaraderie of people, right? It don't seem like it's not a lot of intimate relationships gained and developed. You know, it just... To me, sometimes it seems strange. And, you know, I was around thousands of personalities a day. So I can kind of pick up with people or whatever. And so what bothered me was... People not seeing the value of time.
1: Mm.
2: A lot of people waste time. I read, I got, I've gotten on her a bit. That's my wife, but i got gotten on her about things. A lot of other people, family. A lot of, because I didn't have a chance like they did. I, I had time now, don't get me wrong. But I didn't have the chances, the opportunities like they did to pursue. They've been out here. And I hear people... Over the years, I'm like, man, you've been out here all this time. You could have pursued it. Why'd you allow an emotion to keep you from pursuing your dreams? Why'd you allow a person's opinions to keep you from pursuing your dreams? You know, that's what I was dealing with when I came out. Because while I was there, I still would teach, I told you, I still would teach guys, I still would disciple, I still would mentor, I still do guys behind bars and stuff like that, right? And those when they get out. Um, it bothered me because it seemed like people wasted time. And so I, I stayed on go. I was at, you know, I on prison, you stay on go. You like, well, let me get it. <laughs> you know, you get out, let me get at it. While I was there, it's like, let me get at it. Because, you know, like, like, she'll tell you like this, right? I'm not trying to, you know, you come out, you can't, I can't, I couldn't work. People wanted to because of high profile on high you, but they like, but dog, that stigma on you. God, they want to give me a job because they knew I was innocent. But, you know, you can have a stigma on your business, you can get a lawsuit. But I understand that. But, I didn't care about that, you know why? Because while I was there, I had been I had been studying my business. I had been locking in on ministry, what I'm gonna do. I had I came out with bags of lessons and like hundreds of sermons and everything I would do when I would get out. Only thing I needed to do was get to it. So I was ready to get on grind. You know, first day I got out when they came up to me on the camera, I said only thing I wanna do, I wanna walk in my destiny. That's what I wanna do. And on the news. I didn't care about all that other stuff. I wanted to get to it.
1: Dante, why do you think that Darnell has more passion. He has more drive than people half his age with with more opportunities, with more things given to them. Why does he have more drive and more passion to push for his dreams than the average person?
0: Like you said, time. Yeah. You know, we 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 don't value time. I going not say we yet, in this room, right, but I right, mean right, a right, lot right, of the, the the world now, society now right. doesn't value time for what it is. You, know, home, you had your time robbed from you, but you still took the time. Although the time on the outside was right from me, but you was inside still going to it right. and getting it done. And I think a lot of kids now we just fail to realize what's in front of us, yeah. and we take life for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, every day we just thinking that we're gonna wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We think that we're gonna be able to eat. We think we're gonna be able to you know sleep in our bed. You know, it's just so many things we take for granted, mm-hmm. man. And I know, like I got some brothers that you know in the military, and this I always say this all the time. Whenever I was in a certain situation. I just appreciate the simple things that I had in front of me mm-hmm. like light, a table, you know, your phone, mm-hmm. you know, and these kids got it every day. Don't think you'd be taken away. Right. But you being in the inside, you still went ahead and put your mind to the task and say, nothing's going to stop me. I see you're a physical guy. So I'm saying you, you must have still been hitting them weights. <laughs> you right? Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, doing he getting your body right. But you also took the time for God first, you know, picking up the Bible, reading every day. Educating yourself—I mean, I, that's something that a lot of people just don't don't want to do until it's taken away from them, mm-hmm. and they start to realize, it, "Man, I really had it good." Yeah. You
1: know? Let's keep it up up to date, um, Mr. Phillips. As of today, are you still fighting to get your record clean? I sh- I certainly am. I had went to.
2: I think you might have seen it on the... Uh, it was in the papers and stuff like that. Oh, right? yeah, I tapped in, Mr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had went up to... I went up and I talked to the delegates to get it done. Uh, Lieutenant Governor I had talked to him. All these senators, they were promising. They had actually apologized. Remember that video? They had actually apologized. It was on PBS. You know what I'm saying? They apologized. But then when it came time, uh, I went up there and fought with the Innocence Project. You know, uh, went up there and fought. Then I'm, I'm waiting The governor signed it. I'm saying The really Your innocence They passed the law Got my picture in there I'm like oh, Okay okay All shots But then all of a sudden Pandemic mm-hmm. So I'm waiting I'm still waiting around Waiting for them to go to court Doing all these things Nothing taking place and so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm being patient. You know, I'm still doing my business. I'm still doing this, that I'm trying to you know, get these easy speaking engagement. to speak and engage. Do everything I can, right? Yeah. Keep myself busy, right? Because I learned sometimes if you take your mind off of things, right? Then, you know, you, you know, things will just come faster. You won't be yeah. so agitated, right? Yeah. So then I said, hold on I need to come back and take the reins again. <laughs> so I went back up to Richmond right before the governor went out of office that Friday. Mm. Went up there at the request of my friend, right? Cause he also did. He did twenty years behind something he do. Twenty Lovely. years. Not my buddy. Not oh my, friend, my friend. Yes, sir. And the instant Project got him out, mm. right? So we went up there and stuff, and we, and we spoke. I spoke to some centers that I had talked to prior to the pandemic. They all remember me and everything. You know, they they remember. Hey, what's up, that What's going on? So I had to develop a report with them.
1: Yeah.
2: I said, you know, they didn't do that, man. I they said I said I didn't get my I didn't get my pardon. I didn't get my absolute pardon, man. They said, come on, dog. I said, no. So they're like, well, look, we're going to help. We're going to do what we can do, right? And so it was the last day. Uh, one of the delegates had called me and said, you know, when I came back to Virginia from Richmond, a couple of hours later on, said, we talked to the, you know, just text the governor whatever. And nothing came of it. I waited around all day Saturday. Good thing I had a distraction because my family, they held, uh, like, a... Uh, Early birthday party, okay. you know. I didn't know they were okay. gonna do that, right? All right. All <laughs> you know, right. so they did that. You know, they had a drive-by thing. So you know, but I was still waiting that whole day to hear. I said, "Man, give my absolute pardon." Mm-hmm. So now I have the people right now. They're they fighting now. Some some heavyweights. They're hitting now. Some congressmen. They're hitting at it now to get it done to rectify. It,
1: right? Is there anything we can do? The people can do to help you with this process. Uh, unless you know somebody. <laughs> not nah, but uh not nah,
2: but for real. They 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 they're they're pretty much on it. I right? only thing they can do is they can they can talk to uh you know, they can send letters to the governor, they can send them to uh lieutenant governor, uh like I say 'cause con some congressmen on it. They the local congressmen, some other men, they do they want it for you real. You feel like it's just a matter of time? It's just a matter of time, right. but I'm gonna still stay on it. You. you know, because I realize now I, I try to get now, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to get myself so preoccupied with that. Because I told you I trusted God to get me out of there. He
1: brought you this far.
2: He got me this far. So I'm figuring now this is just the last part. You know what I mean? That all restoration will come. You know what I'm saying? So that's where that's where I'm at. That's that's where I'm at in my mind. You know, I'm I'm like okay, it's my mind and heart. So I'm gonna, go, I'm, gonna I'm gonna knock out all my assignments. I because I believe life is an assignment. You know, it's like we all sit here. We got we're an answer to a problem. You know, we'll answer to a problem and we have an assignment. So, therefore, I said, me knock out all my assignments. So, speak engagement come, I said, me knock out my assignment. Mm-hmm. This interview come? I said, me knock out my assignment because you never know who need to hear it. You, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So, that's why I, I push like that. You know, I push like that.
0: So, being that, you know, you did your 20, 27 years. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, you're not comfortable with it. What is, has there been any talk about restitution? Any reparations? As far as, are you able to, to sue the city of Virginia Beach, you mm-hmm. know, in order to get... Boy, well,
1: that's a good question, boy. I'm telling you. Well, after they,
0: after, they, after they get things done, you know, of
2: course, you know what I mean, I, I would want compensation because they would be due me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because for 27 years, you know, that, that's, a, that's a lot mm-hmm. of time. Definitely. It's not like I was going, it's not like I was out here on drugs, mm-hmm. you know. Before I went on bond, I had my own, I got my own business. Uh, C&D Home Services. I worked for a thing called um, uh, Tdy Music and Video, you know. And so she was trying to give me co-partnership in that. So I was trying to get my own business then when I was on bond. It was so it wasn't like I was out here smoking crack or stuff like that, Like, I was a, I was a guy who was focused. Just go get it. I was a am- I was always ambitious, you know. what I mean, I would allow on application and fifteen get jobs because yeah. I wanted bread and I wanted to wear them, you know. I wanted to wear all the sneakers, you know. what I, mean? I wanted to wear all the, you know. I wanted that. Now. Just to, you know, cause you know we, we we you know we we peers. We could when we contemporaries, right? Like during that time, you want to you want to be like your fellow friends. You want to blaze trails, but you want to you don't know, care. Okay, look, you know I got my style. You got your style. You know we you know it's, it's how it is. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is out here. People do that in corporate world. They do it in church world. It's just how it is. That's how we are. But so it's not like I was out here um, um, robbing somebody. We don't like that. I was going to go somewhere. I felt I was going to go somewhere with the music. Either way, I still had something I wanted to do. I just needed to know what it was. And I would have laser focused on it. Just like the time I was locked up, I just focused on it. Because I said, okay, I know my purpose ministry. So I guess what? I said, I'm going to do just that. And that's what I did in there. When they asked me, well, you know, uh, if I took a program, guess what? I didn't want that stuff anyway. I didn't want the education. So I would do like correspondence courses. But... If you ask me what you gonna do when you get out of there, I said, no, I'm, I'm going to the ministry. If you ask me, okay, well, what, what type of course you're gonna do, I said the course has to deal with business slash ministry. So that way it would it would stay in alignment with my assignment, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't study anything outside of it because I so strongly believed in my purpose. You you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's like some people say I take a major, they might say, well, you know, I want to go to medical school, but really in their heart and mind, they wanna be I don't know, T V anchor or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, unless it's gonna merge, then I wouldn't do it. So that's what I would do. I would like, I don't wanna take that. I'm not gonna take it. Because, you know, when when you when you 19 years old and you say, Well, you know what? I'll make a decision. After that, I'm dead to the opinions of people. You know, I I told like I tell guys, I said, Look, man, I said when you hear 107 years or something like that come across a desk and a person saying something about your life, you 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 kind of like look. If that hit me, then, and I can go through this time, and God gave me strength at that time, I got every confident he's going to make sure everything all right. So I make sure, look, I'm going to stick with that purpose. If he got me out of behind these bars, the folks won't try to let me out to 2045. Mm-hmm. I'll have been old as dirt, you feel me? So what I'm saying now, I got every confidence that every path I get on now, I I try to rest. You know like it's like you know like you recline and you rest in your mind and say you know what? I got to I got I got to take a step back. Do what I'm supposed to do but not let it worry me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying because I did, I did, I wasn't worried all them years. I wasn't worried. Did I want to leave? Of course. Who want to be in there? Christmas after Christmas, birthday after birthday, eating garbage and listening to lies all day. <laughs> I mean, this is just how it is. It's an environment. It's a criminal element. It's a melting pot of food. Listen but to lies right, yeah, I mean, for real, you you hear a lot of lies. But here's the thing, you also hear brilliance. Some of the most brilliant minds. Yes, of black men, white men, Oriental. You, know, you hear some of the most brilliant things. You're like, whoa. Because all the backgrounds, everybody in there behind bars, I would, some of the minds I heard in the prison, I would pit it up against some of the greatest military minds, the greatest political minds, the greatest religious minds. I would pit it up against the greatest legal minds. I've heard that
1: before, actually. Because
2: yeah. it is true. When I when I went to fight, I'm going to tell you that lawyers that used my case, not, not the Innocence Project, right? Mm-hmm. But the lawyers who would fight my case in 2010, they used those briefs that me and another inmate sat down and wrote. Come on, wow. they, did, they didn't have they didn't have to do jack except for I'm gonna put my name is my name is Mississippi. That's what they did. They didn't have to do anything other than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So me personally, I, when I talked to them guys, I, at first, that's the first thing I saw when I went in there. I said, man, they were smart. They cats smart. And dude, I'm mean, just stuck in all that stuff. So I said, but but the thing is, sometimes, like I said, then, then you got the element of this lying all day. You know, lying <laughs> and making up stuff, creating life. Because if you were smoking crack, I'd you smoking crack. Who would say, yeah, I smoke crack, but you don't, you don't hear that.
3: And a nobody
2: not a lot of people do that unless they kind of, you know, they, they know that they got to pull themselves up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got two
1: more questions. You got any more questions?
0: Nah, man, I'm, I'm good We'll I got all right. two more offline. questions
1: for my, my late night robbers. Question number one, this is just my opinion. I know we are familiar with the, the book of Joseph or the story of Joseph in the mm-hmm. Bible. Tell me how that story kind of motivated you in your time. Then. Mm-hmm. That, that was the...
2: I'm going to tell you. That was the... That was my launching point mm-hmm. when I discovered Joseph. I didn't know about Joseph on the street. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know about Job either. Mm-hmm. I, when I opened mm-hmm. up the Bible... Because I had just gotten the word before I got locked up. So I just became a fresh believer. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I, I would go to church, but I, you know, I didn't think about Jesus. You know, and because of the way, way my mind was. You understand? You can be blind. Spiritually, you can be blind. Right. But when he opened up, when the God opened up my eyes, I said, okay, Jesus oh yeah that's the one. Okay, wow. You know, everybody got their own opinion, but I, what I experienced and what sustained me, mm-hmm. I don't know if theirs can sustain them where they're at. Mm-hmm. You catch me? So I, I know what keep me strong every day. hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, you know, that's what I testify to, you know, and I want to say I die for it, live and die for it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I would say, man, I'm familiar with Joseph and I believe Joseph's life, it mirrored mine because he was a young man. Uh, you know, he was favored. I was yeah. out here, I was favored at the yeah. time, you That's know what I'm nice saying? Swag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that coat of many colors. So I guess yeah, yeah. it will swag. Well, You know, but look, you know, so my thing is, but Joseph also was ambition, he had dreams. Mm-hmm. Before I went to the prison, I had a dream of doing ministry. Mm-hmm. I had so so I I I paralleled that, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So with me, I said, okay, well, man. He went through rough times like me. He mm-hmm. he 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 got locked up, then he got he accused again falsely. Mm-hmm. I got one charge falsely. Then all of a sudden, they gave me another charge yeah, falsely. Robbery. You catch me? Mm-hmm. Falsely. Um, he helped people in the prison. I was able to help guys in the prison. He got under the leadership roles in the prison. My whole time I was there, I was getting the best jobs. I was getting the best positions. I, get, I started Bible study class. I go take it, I get in there. I would pretty much end up being leadership. When I left out the prison, I became the, uh, what they call it, the a whole part representative. Mm-hmm. You catch me over the guys, mm-hmm. you know, over the committees and everything. So, favor was all, that's after being there for like a week. You catch what I'm saying to you? Mm-hmm. So, what I'm saying is, when I got out, uh, I was shown favor. Joseph had favor. You know what I mean? Now, so the thing is, I'm like this. I know that the rest of my story now it's going to be just as powerful as that. You know what I mean? All I got to do is hold on. You know what I mean? And I, and I got to wait, wait my season out, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, no doubt about it, man.
1: Last question. Yes, sir. I want you, you know, this has been a, a huge motivator uh, for the late night vibers, you know, they're hearing this story. Tell the people what you're doing now. Tell them about your businesses. Tell them about the, the engagements that you have going on. You're not just sitting on your butt. You actually get into it. Uh yeah, outside of doing podcasts and things of that nature, I've been,
2: I've been like I said, I go to this business meeting every uh, Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was there, you know, and uh, you know, since pandemic, you have been, I've been going places to speak. So I spoke there, and so a lot of pastors were there. They're like, "Oh no, man, you, why don't you come to my church, man?" So I just got these engagements lined up. I hear Virginia Beach and things of that nature, but I also. Uh, I started a, uh I started a mobile detailing business, right? Which is called Redemption Auto Detailing LLC. Let me get that. And down. Down. my phrase yeah. my phrase is uh everything deserves a second shine. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But I also here's the thing. Uh a clothing line with me and my, my partner, he's locked up. He locked up behind in the prison bars or whatever, right? He about, you know, he about to come out though. But we started a clothing line for females called Black Chick Apparel, mm-hmm. right? You know, he had a dream of that. So he said, Well look, man, I want you to, since you out there, I want you to Gonna be the you know, do the do the uh, spearhead that thing, right? Yeah. And then when I went to the Hamptons in New York about in July, you know, I had a, I had, like I said, I had somebody told me, man, I can kind of see you in the trucking business. This is this man of God told me, he said, man, I see you in the trucking business with trucks all over the road. I had no interest in that. I don't, I don't know, I don't know random stuff. man, random man told you this. Yeah, I was telling him, I was in a restaurant yeah, and the you know, dude was on a FaceTime. He said, Man. He said, man, he said I'm telling you, he said, he said man, look, he said, God, will restore some things to you, man. He said, I, he said, look, bro, I'm telling you, he said, you're going to be a multi-millionaire. But that's not the only person told me that. him. Co- bitch who recorded me, Beth told me that. He said, every time I see you, I see millions. And they had to do a case. God, please have somebody tell me. <laughs> no, 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 not no, 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 no to you. Now, tell this out. I'm going to tell you what, what tripped me out. So he said, look, man, he said, I'm telling you, I see you on the road. I see trucks all over the road. So I said, well, shoot, this is true. God told you, you know, when, when a person said God told me something, I tested. Mm-hmm. So when I was in the Hamptons, I was up there, my friend, uh, 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 Jason Flom, right, um, of Wrongful Conviction, right, you know, dude found Katie Perry producer. He said, look,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he said, Don, I what you know, you, you know, we were taking a professional photo shoot, right? So we were walking down the beach in the Hamptons and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I want to get into that logistics business, man. He said, "What you think that cost, man?" I said, "Man, about about fifty k, you know, whatever." He said, "Okay, okay, okay, okay," and uh, so he he was a very active guy. He in his sixties, but so he went out on his power boot with his dog Freddie. Yeah. So they you know they go across, they, you know, you know, out there in the middle. And also, I was to get a call, right? I'm like, "What the world? Who the world?" I said, Jason, what in the world? He said, I got an idea, man. He said, call Doug, right? Call Doug DeLusa. And so I called Doug up. Doug said, yeah, I'm with you 100% on this business. But so, you know, after that, I didn't bother. I just wanted to get my facts together. Two weeks later, I was helping my buddy move into his uh, new house, right? And so he said, Darn I got something for you. I said, what's going on? He said, remember, you said you want to get into the logistics business. Now, remember, I said, if God speaks... If I take an action, I believe this thing my faith, something gonna happen. Yeah. You know what this dude said? He said, Look, darn, man, I met a dude, man. He, he he may always use the phrase, he richer than God, he don't nonsense. I said, What are you talking about, man? He said, Well, he said he'll invest up to 50000 in you if he said that's what you wanna do. He said he ain't so much worried about getting paid back. If it work, it work, but he wants to more so uh, you to pay it forward, right? Mm. But for tax sake, you know, you had to put a little 1%, whatever like that. And you know what? Two weeks later, we had a, no, about a week after that, we had a, a Zoom. So he said, tell me about your plan, darling." I said, yeah, you know, I want to get into the trucking. He said, you need detail. Why don't you want money for detail? I said, no, I didn't tell him because of what that man said about the trucking. Mm. He said, okay, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to split it up. I'm going to give you 40K. I'm going to give this man 40K. And I'm going to give this guy 20K. I said, cool. He said, give your banking information. So in the email, I'm doing it. It didn't take no more than several days. He said, give it a couple days to clear. So, you know, I was going to uh, the bank, I think. Uh, this, this had to be like in October, right? Um, yeah, but October. But anyway, so I said, I'm going to the bank. I you know, I got a little money in there. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to pull out, I don't know what it is. I might want to go pull out thousand dollars, do something, whatever, right? It was something I had to do. So I went and I pulled it out and stuff. A lot of times, you go to the bank, you know, you got a receipt. Somebody else's receipt come out. So I pulled it out. I said, okay. And I said, oh, hey, they're doing all right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, right. I'm thinking somebody else, right? Yeah. And then I said, let me go ahead and put it in again. You know, you check out your, your balances or whatever, right? So that don't came out again. And I looked over there at the accountant. I said, oh, shucks. I said, "He won't playing. <laughs> and so look. So I told my buddy. I said, yo, man. I said, did you check the bank? Cause another guy, you know, he it was only three of us, right? Yeah. He out of all the other guys they chose, it was just three of us. Wow. He said, "Nah, I ain't got my, I don't got mine yet, bro." He said, "He said let me see, it. he said let me see." I, think I I didn't take a picture of it, but I said, "Nah, bro," I said, it's up in here," I said, it's up in here." Man. I got, <laughs> so I went, so I went looking for a truck, and so you know I went looking for a truck and everything, right? When I went looking for a truck, you know them trucks cost that money. I said, "Man, I'm supposed to get 50k." I said, I know, but check this out. I said, God with me, and if he want me to do it, he's going to make a way. You know what? I went and got a $40,000 truck. You see the truck on Instagram? Mm-hmm. $40,000 truck. I went to Northern Virginia. This truck was out there on the uh, rider line. Mm-hmm. The African dude, you know, his wife pestle him. You know, you need to go ahead and sell it and whatever, right? He had the truck. You know, went out there. He did something with the lift gate in the dark on oh, Hydraulic. I guess the fuel came out. So he said I I I I drop it 5000. You know drop 5000 in the price. I said, "Hmm, that makes 21,000." Dollars, cause he wanted. to I said, okay, let me see what's going on. Right, got that fixed for six hundred, and so what? I came away with a, a, a forty thousand dollar truck for twenty one grand. Come on. Mm. Then you know you got to pay for your authority to get your MC I'm an MC and DOT authority. I got that in a matter of a couple of days. Then paid for the insurance a whole year. Mm. I tell you about that. They paid for the insurance a whole year, and you are supposed to have like a million dollars insurance. You know, of course it don't mean yeah. that, but yeah. you know, so I gave them seventy three hundred, right? So I was able to pay that then I was able to get anything that needed to be repaired, the brakes and all the things. Got that out of the way. And so then within a couple of weeks, I uh, so we on the
1: road. Congrats, man. You know what I'm saying? Look at that. Yeah, Congrats, you see man.
2: that? You see that? That's why I say, man, I, like I told people, I said, man, you got to, I told them you got to come out of the closet with God. I'm talking about, you got you to be out there because he'll look out for you. He, I mean, regardless, see, here's the thing. He'll look out for you. You trust him, he'll look out for you. I say that, that's why I would say to any young guy, don't be ashamed. Outside of all the little, little religious crap that go on, God has that, that personal strong relationship with Him, right? Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll work for you. Everything, she'll tell you, everything I told a person, I said, man, look, God showed me this, man. Or, or then this person said that, guess what? It manifested. Mm-hmm. The proof is in the manifestation, it's not in, you know, a pr- the proof is in that manifestation. Even when I went looking for, I keep my car. I can go get, there, I can go pay cash and just type it what I want, right? But I, I'm i going to say, I keep this 2016 Toyota Corolla. I'm going to tell you why. Because mm-hmm. in 2019, right, Um, I was, me and my, me and my wife, we she's my fiancee then We're going to be married about seven eight months now. Yeah, we
3: got married on May um 21st.
2: Okay. Oh <laughs> we were oh praying, we were praying, we were praying, right? And I was praying, I said, you know, look, man, my mom, I came home, she had dementia or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my dad had already died and stuff. So, you know, sometimes people with finances, you know, and I'm coming out of prison, you know what? We had prayed. And so what happened was I went to New York, did a podcast and I told the dude, I said, I wanted to get into the um, a business, right? Because, you know, at the time I had a choice to take a job or trust God that he wanted me to get in business for myself. Went there, did the podcast. I think I had seventy dollars on me, seventy five dollars, about in the whole world. So I went, I because I believe I, I said I ain't had jack before I came out here anyway. You know what I mean? So except so what I had to prison. So I went to New York, went to New York, did the thing. He said, "Look, man, in the middle of the," he said, "Look, Darnell." He said, "I heard you want to get into a mobile detail." And I said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "How much that cost?" This was between you know, like yeah. you know, like what like we doing now. He cut it off. Turn. It. He this was in between. He said, "Uh." I said, man, probably about, about 6000 or something like that, 6200 He said, he said, you got the paperwork? I said, yeah, 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 I got it. He said, you ready? I said, yeah, I got the paperwork. He had the paperwork, my business plans, boom. He said, well, I heard, man, you're also looking for a car. I said, I don't need nothing but like a little a piece of car or something. Give me here there. You know, I said, man, I got 1200 He said, okay, I'm going to send you about $8,000, $10,000. You think that'll work? So what he did was ended up. I, he's like, he said, Darnia don't believe me. He said, but well, you can get that money next week. I know this guy's wealthy, but he's like, he do not believe me. He said, look, the money's going to be there next week, right? So, I, you know, I waited, you know, I said, okay, cool, you know. The lady kept telling me, Donnell, you're good to go, man. You don't got to look back no more. I'm like, all right, I hear you. And so, all of a sudden, that following week, I went to the mailbox, boom. I said, oh, shots, let's take a picture of this. You know, they do this, <laughs> <laughs> took a picture of it, then... Couple of days after the dude said, Look, man, I'm sending the money, but let me know where you want to get your car. And so, what I did was, I went to uh, I, this my lawyer here trying to get me to get this BMW, right? So a 2011. And I was like, Well, mm-hmm. you know, guys, like, I don't mess with that, whatever, I don't mess with that. And yeah, I kept looking at this, those. Yeah, looking at this 07 Infinity, right? But then I went to, uh, they told me that people at Toyota, Malloy, Malloy, Toyota, in Winchester, they want to give you. Uh, it's a, it a 2016 But they say But it's certified Everything And you know, you know Everything will be paid Like they're going to pay The insurance off For like six months The people you know So I'm like okay I said certified They said yeah Bumper to bumper Certified 39,000 miles 2016 Maclet I said well shoot I said yeah Let's go for that And I went there And so that's my faith car. I went there Had a big ribbon on it It was a testimony As to I was believing For something lesser mm. You feel me You know what I mean And so I was like well, Okay that's cool so I had the opportunity to get something else. I was trying to get of here like, about a month ago. Oh, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, you know, but the thing is, I said, you know what? I said, I'm keeping this. I said, you know why? I said, because it's debt-free. It symbolized me mm-hmm. debt-free. 2016 debt-free. You know what I mean? I said, ain't, I ain't sweating, you know? So me personally, everything with me, man, is a testimony. Every day, mm-hmm. every day is a testimony as to the miracle working power of God in my life. You know, and, and the thing is, he not he's he's not a respectable person. He do it for, so. I say for a young man, young woman, I say I say trust God for real. Trust God through Jesus Christ for real. That's 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 real. That's one hundred. You know, vibe with that. That's real.
1: Man, late night vibes, We just bought you a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the great brother Darnell Phillips. We have his lovely wife, Miss Phillips, in the building. We got Savior and the Goat. Uh, give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, More Life Wellness. Amen. Mike, what's up, baby? Big Mike. <laughs> um, man, we another episode. Saving the go, what you
0: got? We gotta bring him back. We gotta bring you back. I wanna know more about your life. Um, you know, as future go on, what's going on, your future endeavors. Uh thank you. Thank you, Miss Phils also for coming. Um, thank you for our cameraman back there in the background. Uh he don't do nothing <laughs> else. But um yeah. Thank you so much for this interview. Uh my pleasure, my off pleasure. topic. We'll, we'll talk more off the line and everything. Yes, but uh it's been a real good treat, man. Thank you, Chris. It's also late night vibes, we
1: out, baby.